Welcome to the Logistics of Logistics, a podcast dedicated to exploring how things get places and the people who get them there. We'll talk with logistics and supply chain leaders about innovation, industry trends, and the future of the logistics business. Now, here's your host, Joe Lynch. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Logistics of Logistics podcast. My name is Joe Lynch. Thank you so much for joining us today. Today's topic is the increasing freight tech table stakes with my good friend, Nick Dangles. How's it going, Nick? Hey, Joe. I'm doing well. How you doing? Thanks for having me on. Excellent. Excellent. I've had Nick on my podcast before. He is a very smart guy, really knows the, the freight brokerage business really well. Very smart guy. So, Nick, before we go any further, please introduce yourself and your company. Yeah, so my name is Nick Dangles. I am one of the co-founders of Kinetic. And what Kinetic's all about is helping freight tech companies get their products into the world more quickly and with better adoption. Very nice. Very nice. So give us a little bit of background on you. Where'd you grow up? Where'd you go to school? All that kind of stuff. Yeah, so background on me. I am originally from Champaign, Illinois, central Illinois. And I also went to school down there. I went to the University of Illinois and majored in philosophy. After that, I went to law school. So I moved up to Chicago in 2005, went to Loyola University of Chicago. And I practiced for a couple of years, but ultimately decided that law wasn't for me. That's probably a story best told over a couple of beers sometime, but it just wasn't a good fit. And then after, a, so I, I briefly sold office supplies door to door, which was uniquely miserable and humbling. It's glamorous. <laughs> it was for a former attorney, wasn't it? <laughs> I just imagine your mom and dad back home. Nick, what are you doing? <laughs> you oh went to law gosh. school, for God's sakes. <laughs> yeah, they, I'm sure, did their fair share of worrying about me as I'm 29 years old, wandering door to door selling paper. But no, I mean, it was it was a rough experience, but like it prepared me really well for working in transportation. And I learned a lot from the experience about just hard work in general, about sales and about myself, but like that's a much longer podcast there or perhaps a therapy session. I don't know. And then I've been in freight for the past 10 years, all in brokerage and managing the day-to-day of a brokerage for the past three or four. And we just recently started up Kinetic in the past several months. So when did you start Kinetic and why did you guys start Kinetic? Yeah, so we started Kinetic several months ago. And over the past few years, we've just noticed kind of a gap between freight companies and freight tech companies. What I mean by that is on the freight tech side, you have all these brilliant companies, these Silicon Valley folks doing amazing things, right? They're driving innovation, they're moving the industry forward. And on the freight side, I mean, I don't want to call them stuck in their ways because that's not necessarily true. There's some, there are a lot of freight companies out there who are really jumping on board with technology and tackling some difficult problems. But at the same time, for every one of those companies, you probably have 10 more who are still writing things down in notebooks or using Excel spreadsheets, and they don't even see it as a problem. So for the freight tech companies, it becomes a very difficult conversation to have in order to get their messaging across in a way that actually makes sense to the freight companies. Right. Yeah. We all come from somewhere, Nick. You know, that's the thing. We have a comfort zone. And let's face it, when given the choice, we are going to kind of retreat to our comfort zone. So if I'm not used to using technology to go get new customers, used to bang on the phone, that's what I'm going to rely on. And kind of an overarching goal of ours is to just to help educate the industry. The fact that there is this technology available that can help you out immensely. And it's one of those rising tides lifts all ships kind of things, right? Right. 
No, I look at you guys as a great bridge between the tech world and the freight world. And uh, it's much needed because, let's face it, the technology companies need to have a better understanding of freight. And I think they do. And I think the freight guys need to have a better understanding of tech. And I think they do. You know, there's more of these, I'll call them hybrids like you guys over at Kinetic who uh, <laughs> seem to understand both sides of the of the equation really well. Yeah, no, I wholeheartedly agree with that. Freight and brokerage is something that's very unique. And had I not been in it for 10 years, I, I wouldn't have understood it, what the day-to-day is like for a freight broker. And that's something that's important for freight tech companies to consider when they're selling things. Right. Right. So before we get into the topic, the increasing freight tech table stakes, I want to talk a little bit about background. And we were doing time a little prep offline. We were talking about this this industry, which is, you know, we do have big tech companies coming in, spending a lot of money, VC money, private equity money, and they are aggressively growing their businesses for freight tech companies freight brokers, but some of our uh, digital freight brokers, I guess you call them, or the marketplaces, and they're going gangbusters. Then you have the big established players who are, you know, private equity, or I should say, uh, publicly traded, some of private equity, and they have the guns to uh, grow really quickly too. So this is not just an academic exercise like using technology. You're talking about using technology so you can get more efficient, more effective, more competitive, right? Absolutely. There tends to be a mentality in the industry that all you need to be a freight broker is some basic equipment and hustle, right? And I mean, that's true to a certain extent. I mean, it's it's like the hustle is really important, but the game's changing. You've got this consolidation happening. You've got these big venture-backed companies. And are you going to be able to hustle your way through competing with them? (laughs) Right. Probably not. You know, you can argue that it depends on what niche you're in and whatnot, but in general, no, it's like, that's not going to cut it. Right. And like, just as important, the industry is changing fast. What was cutting edge a couple of years ago, and now it's table stakes. You don't need to have the cutting edge of technology, but you do need to be considering something in order to stay competitive. Right. And Nick, I always say it, the tech guys are like 10 and 0. Every industry they come to, they transform. So I don't, I don't think our industry is any different. We either, if you can't beat them, join them. So, <laughs> and to your point, the things that seemed high tech a few years ago are now table stakes. So talk about kind of the bare minimum. I could, if I'm a freight broker or a little 3PL or maybe that kind of company, what is the bare minimum I need to stay in the game? So for me, the bare minimums tend to be the things that customers are going to start requiring or the customers are already requiring. Right. And the biggest thing that jumps to my mind is automated tracking. Either contractually, like your customers are going to require by contract that you need to have some sort of automated tracking, or just to keep up with your competition, you're going to need to have some of these things. Right. Because just talking about the second part for keeping up the competition, if you're working with a big shipper and all of your competitors have automated tracking, I don't care if your rates are marginally smaller. They're offering something universally that you can't do. Right. Why on earth would a shipper choose to work with you over them? It's just one of those things that's becoming table stakes. Right. And, you know, Nick, when we were prepping, I asked if a TMS was necessarily table stakes. You're like, yeah, it kind of depends. And I keep thinking if you're using a, a transportation management system as a shipper, you know, you're using some of from your 3PL and then you get a new guy and they don't have it or don't want to use it. 
And I look and go, yeah, but I kind of got used to those reports. I got used to the functionality, certain functionality, whatever it might have been, right? Maybe it's a QBR that makes it a lot easier to get all the data. Yeah, I can kind of start to see, depending who you're working with, that being one of them also. Yeah, and uh, like, do I know brokers right now who don't have TMSs? Yes, of course I do. I mean, they're still doing okay right now, but the point is more what's going to happen in the next few years. I mean, five years from now, are you going to still be two guys in a garage with no TMS slinging freight? Well, no, I think that's going to change. I think that's going to change fast. Right. And it's funny because shippers are, well, this is what's changed about selling in general. Well, regardless of what you're selling, 90 some percent of B2B buyers, not sellers, B2B buyers go online as their first step in the buying process. So they're educating themselves. They're following podcasts like this one or reading something that, you know, Kinetic wrote. And so as they start to see what's out there and then they say, oh yeah, I need to connect with somebody who can help me move freight. They might've educated themselves to the place where they already are, are expecting tech. And then when you reach out and uh, they go, oh, you don't have all this? Well, my understanding from reading Nick's article is that that's what you need. Yeah, and it's it's gradually going to spread throughout the industry. I mean, right now I'm kind of talking about larger shippers requiring certain technology, but like right now, are you going to still have smaller shops that don't require it? Of course, but they're going to follow suit with the larger ones. If you've got the the Anheuser Bushes and the Hershey's and the Nestle all all requiring this technology, like X Y Z shipper down the street is also going to start requiring that at some point. Right. I'll tell you. I remember when I was selling transportation logistics services, the company I had worked at. They had really slick TMS. Loved it. It was. Uh, well, you mentioned it was three PL systems. People love that software. And I remember when I would go and show them. I would show up sometimes with just a report. That would no presentation. I said, "Do you get a report like this every week?" And they'd go. No, where'd you get this? I go, well, that's just something I do every week for my customers. Oh my God, they were blown away. It was like I was Bill Gates came in and sat down. Oh, wow. <laughs> but, but it wasn't long before everywhere I went, we go, yeah, we got a report like that. Damn. <laughs> so you got the bar raised. Yeah. I mean, it's during my time in the industry, it, it's hard to imagine being blown away by that, right? Just because things have changed so quickly. Yep. So the basics, just to stake, just as you said, the uh, just the customer acquisition part. Your customers are going to expect it. They want automated tracking, maybe a TMS. So what's a, what's the next level up? What's the next thing that you feel like if you want to guarantee that you can be in a little more of the fights? What would they need? So the next level up in my mind starts to address the issue of shrinking margins in the industry. I forget what exactly the margin percentage is right now. I mean, I think fifteen percent is roughly what right. they call like an industry standard, but I see that shrinking. Like, I think the days of 15 to 20% margins are going away and brokers need to prepare themselves for 8 to 10% margins. And you can make the argument depending on like what niche you're in, but in general, the 15 to 20s are, are going away and 8 to 10 is probably closer than we think. So you need to be doing things to lower your cost to serve and to really drive down that cost per load and doing anything that you can to make your company more efficient. Yep. So what would be one of the softwares you'd use for that? One that initially jumps to mind is anything that involves workflow automation. Anything that can really drive down the amount of time that it takes to accomplish certain tasks and minimize. Give me an example, Nick. Uh, So to me, that goes into like book it now features or. I didn't know what that was. So why don't you explain that? 
Yeah. So if you just think about the amount of time that it takes and the number of tasks that go into booking a load, instead of going through that entire process, carriers can just click book it now in a load that you've got and bypass a lot of those. And I'm not saying it needs to be done for every load, but if you have your relationship carriers and you have regular freight for them and you know who you're working with, there's a lot of advantages to book it now features. Right. So if I was the shipper and I sent a note to, let's just say, three or four freight brokers or carriers, whichever, and um, I send something to you and I have a number in mind, I send a, an email to you and you send me something back, it says thousand bucks. And then I write back, hey, somebody's better than that, Nick. Then you go, how about 975? And what you're saying is skip those steps and you just send me a, a book it now for 960. Effectively, yes. And you talk about the going back and forth on quotes, too. That's another thing that people are taking a lot of time on. Think about the time on the phone going back and forth. Oh, I'm at 900. I got to be at 850. What about 875? What about 865? You know, (laughs) that takes up so much time. (laughs) We're getting to a point now where a lot of software has the ability to let your carriers just submit quotes to you. And you can kind of review your assortment of quotes between 500 and 600 and just make the best decision from that. So when the shipper hits book it now, it puts it, I'm assuming it adds it to a transportation management system and and it, it rolls, right? So that's the workflow automation you're talking about. Exactly. Anything that cuts out steps for you. Very nice. Very nice. Yeah. At the end of the day, all of those steps take time and time is money for a freight broker. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And here's another thing, Nick. You said it before. You might think... Well, I don't mind. Well, keep in mind, the guy down the street's not doing it. So if he moves 10 loads and you're trying to move the same 10 loads, you're working a lot harder. And he might do 10 and you do eight because you weren't able to, you know, cut that time out with some of this automated workflow. Yeah. And that ties into like the capacity management tools. And I have a sweet spot for capacity management for whatever reason. But Think about the amount of time that it takes just to book a load. Like, Think about the sourcing process. And if you're not familiar with it, I think the average number of calls to book a load is something like 20 phone calls. And that's a result of a lot of things, right? It's using public load board. It's not really knowing the data that you've got at your disposal, not knowing which carriers to call, not having a sourcing process. But if you can take that 20 calls and bring it down to five calls, because now you have a better understanding of your data and you know which carriers to call, Think about how much more freight that you can book in one day. Right. So capacity management, what you're saying with that is I've developed a network of carriers that that I'm using, and I've hopefully got a lot of them contracted on any lane that's regular lane. I got contracted, so I don't have to go to the load boards and look for anyone. I've already agreed that I've got this carrier on it, right? Yeah, or more so if there's a new lane that you've got and the kind of antiquated process of well, I'll just start calling every carrier in my history. I'll start calling every carrier on <laughs> carrier 411 who's a backhaul within a certain radius. Like There are tools out there that can help you streamline that process, right? They can recommend carriers to you based on certain algorithms. And the effectiveness of that and the amount of time that that saves compared to doing it just all on your own, it's crazy. So a broker like using those tools is saving so much time and so much money and right. making so much more freight compared to a different broker. Yep. And there's some capacity management tools out there, right? Yeah. I mean, you can look at names that jump to mind are like Freight Friend and Parade and Cargo Chief are all what I would call capacity management tools. Yep. And they'll, they'll help you better use your carrier data and actually leverage that to book freight more effectively. 
Yep. And this is also good for the carriers. Carriers don't want to necessarily be having to wonder where their next load is. They'd rather work with a few uh, brokers or 3PLs or directly with shippers too, right? Yeah. Or even think about the, the number of blast emails they get from brokers for loads they don't even want. You're an Oregon carrier and this broker keeps sending you all their Florida freight. Well, I don't want that. You know? <laughs> exactly. Find a way to tailor this for me a little bit better. Yep. Yeah, I had uh, Noam Frankel on my podcast talking about Freight Friend, and uh, it's a very cool thing. I'll put a link to that in the show notes. So what's another thing that we can use to kind of uh, make ourselves more competitive, more efficient, more effective? Previously, we talked about dynamic pricing a little bit. Oh, yes. I know we both have a sweet spot for dynamic pricing. And it's one of those things that, similar to the workflow automation and the capacity management, it saves you time. Yep. Nick, I'm putting you a little bit on the spot here. I know you know what Uh-oh. it is, but could you give us a little bit of a definition of what dynamic pricing is, how it works? So I think of it in terms of pricing that actually changes in more real time with different market dynamics. Traditionally, you've got these tools that will give you, let's say, seven-day averages of what rates have been doing for the past week or what they were doing a week ago. And the problem with that is that it's substantially delayed, right? And you've got to work with tribal knowledge within your company to figure out what the rate's actually going to be today. Right. And like, if you've never listened to this process happening, I mean, it's somewhat ridiculous sometimes. (laughs) I mean, whatever tool you're using is giving you a rate of like, buck 65 a mile and you sit there in your office and you're like i mean like if it was a buck 65 a mile last this time last week i mean billy in the corner is moving a similar lane for like a buck 85 a mile so it's probably a little bit higher but his like he had an appointment time mine's first come first serve so like maybe it's gonna be a little bit lower than that but what like what's the hot market map coming back at Ooh, it's right. pale pink dude if it's pale pink like we better bump this up a little bit so like i think like a buck 75 a mile is probably what's gonna go for right and sounds credible. <laughs> it, it's it's a lot of anecdotal evidence and kind of guesswork on the part of brokers. So it was the only thing we had for a long time. Yeah. But now we have tools that make that much easier. So dynamic pricing is using a whole bunch of public information, right? And we're all trying to, except they're using it with AI and machine learning. And they are spitting out a price that is, first off, I think almost instantaneous. But secondly, it is far more advanced than my uh, my conversation with Billy in the Corner ever will be. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it kind of goes back to the fact that computers are just much better at anything that involves assimilating huge amounts of data than a human being is. And like that's what pricing is. It's interpreting data. Right. And I think the way that works, and again, I've interviewed uh, guys from uh, pros on here a few times, and I know you guys have relationships with guys over green screens, who I'm hoping to be on my podcast here soon. But what's interesting about that, I think, is this confidence number they can give you. So if I say I'm going to give Nick that 175 per mile, or I'll use a a number, $1,000, and they'll say, you give Nick that $1,000, and that's a 90% chance that he says yes. Well, maybe, maybe I go, oh, I, I really want higher than that. I can adjust by the confidence ratio of him accepting. And on top of that, it's fast. And I think that's, if you can get the, the right price right now, that's a winner. <laughs> you know, as a, and you get so much more data behind it. So it's, it's way faster, but it's also way better. And also, you can override it. 
So if you say, yeah, it came back at a thousand bucks, but I really think that it's only 950, you can still adjust it. You just have, you probably don't want to second guess the the, uh, AI every day though. (laughs) (laughs) No, probably not. But I I think you bring up a great point, which ties into the assistance with decision-making, right? How much more streamlined can you make that process by giving brokers these rates that are backed up by artificial intelligence and machine learning, the, these data-driven rates, and then giving them confidence levels on top of it, well, all of a sudden, that five-minute conversation that I talked about a few minutes ago, going back and forth between Billy and whoever about buck seventy-five a mile, turns into a split-second decision because the computer's saying it's buck seventy-five and it's a high confidence level. Okay, submit that and move on with your life. Right. Nick, and I don't think it will be too long before we have all these freight tech companies that are growing in the, you know, the Silicon Valley crowd, they might not necessarily be based there. Maybe I should say the Chattanooga or the Chicago crowd, because (laughs) that's where a lot of this tech comes from, is once they start, you know, once this becomes kind of well-known that this is available, you're going to start having customers before you know it say, well, that's my expectation. I want that instantaneous price. And the whole idea that I asked Nick for a price and he says, I'll call you back. What do you mean you'll call me back? I want it right now. I told somebody this the other day. I remember moving ocean freight. And when I would say, can you give me an update? They go, yeah, I'll, I'll call you back tomorrow morning. It might be tomorrow afternoon, depending. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and that was acceptable. I don't think that would be acceptable today. Today, I wouldn't want to have to make a phone call. I would want to be able to go online and get it either by email or, or check a system. And the idea now that Maybe it's acceptable. Maybe shippers don't mind waiting for a rate. But maybe in the coming years, when Nick asks for a freight quote, I got to give it to him right then. Yeah. And I think that particularly on the truckload side, what you said about the about the tracking apps, updates is, is just as applicable on the truckload side of things. I mean, if you think about the two options of calling up a broker and saying, hey, where's my truck? And him saying, well, let me call the driver and figure it out versus being able to see via GPS tracking where the driver is. It's a no-brainer. I see on the map that my driver is in, is in Salt Lake City versus I got to call my broker up. He's got to call the driver, wait for him to pick up for the next 20 minutes because he's in the truck stop or something like that, doing whatever drivers do. And then it takes me an hour to figure out that he's in Salt Lake. It's crazy. Right, right. So, one other thing, Nick, and this has been one of my uh, my recent thoughts on the business as a whole, is as we get more competition, we have to get more niches. And I think as soon as you start worrying about getting a niche, you start worrying about more of a supply chain rather than just moving trucks, right? So if you think about you know moving freight across from California to New York, three, four days, five days, wherever it is, it's a very short amount of time in the overall supply chain. And I think that more and more shippers are looking at us as supply chain partners, guys who can come in and help them from order to cash, right? And I think that's going to demand even higher technologies. And again, I'll throw one out there. The guys at Turbo is one where they, they say, we're going after shippers. So we expect we can connect the entire supply chain, not just the two days that it moved from your factory to your distribution center. So I think we have to start thinking more in terms of how do I become more expansive in my service offering? And honestly, I think a lot of the freight that moves today is going to be moving via automated systems. That, I mean, we're talking about, that's what we're talking about here. So it won't be too long before the computer does everything in the middle. Yeah. And I think what you mentioned about thinking about it in terms of a more 
a broader supply chain context is important. I mean, even for the conversations that you're having with your customers, right? I think right. <laughs> Michael Nemi does a great job of this, actually, if you follow his stuff at all. But it's not about just saving like five bucks on this truckload. I mean, what's this relationship doing for you across your broader supply chain? Right. Right. And like, this is a, like, we're spiraling off into a whole different conversation here, but it's important to not just focus on one single transaction or even like just a set of single transactions. Right. You have to really be a partner for your customers. Yeah. You know, Michael Neiman is just in my podcast. He's a great follow on LinkedIn. And so are you. And one of the things I, you had a conversation the other day about, it was about freight tech and about getting more efficient and about maybe margins getting squeezed. And somebody, and I don't even remember who said it, but they said, as soon as you get to eight or 10%, there's a big chunk of freight brokers who can't live on that margin because they're not efficient enough. And I don't remember who posted that. Do you remember by chance? I know there's a lot of people. No, I don't remember. They didn't quote anything. They didn't quote research. So it's kind of a little, and they're anonymous at this point. So, but it's an interesting thought. And one of the things I said to you, Nick, it's kind of like one of those, it's a dinosaur event where all of a sudden one day margins are down to eight or 10% and a whole bunch of freight brokers become dinosaurs that day where they say, wow, we just weren't competitive enough to stay in the business. Yeah. Like, I don't recall who said it, but I think, I think the person's right. You know, I mean, if you're in an industry that's accustomed to the 15% margins and needs to probably maintain 12% margins to be profitable, once you start dipping down to eight to 10, I mean, it's, like that's the point where a lot of brokers are going to go out of business or get gobbled up. I can tell you just from my own uh, experience, you always think you can do okay on a certain margin and it's usually a lot fatter than you think. So, yeah. so when you think, oh, I can get by on that, maybe you can buy, but you, we tend not to look at all our costs the right way. So yeah. And we're speaking very generally when yep, I'm yep, yep. talking about margins but, here. I mean, a 10% margin on a, on a $250 load is very different than 10% on a $3,000 <laughs> load. But like, I think the people listening to this will see where we're going with it. Yep, yep. So Nick, I'm going to summarize this, and then I want some final thoughts on really, really smart final thoughts like I know you're capable of. <laughs> so, <laughs> no, no pressure, right? So you talked about the table stakes, the increasing table stakes. So you said you have to have automated tracking just to even kind of walk in the door a lot of places. They now expect that. And you don't think it will be too much longer that their students aren't going to have to use automated workflows like Book It Now because maybe it'll come become a customer expectation. Maybe it's just because you want to become more efficient. Then capacity management tools, like you mentioned, Freight Friend and a uh, few others. Then uh, we talked about dynamic pricing, uh, like pros or green sheets. And green screens. Green screens, I'm sorry. <laughs> green. We're close. <laughs> Sorry about that, guys. We talked about also like just becoming bigger in the context, like stuff like Turbo, which is going after the whole supply chain with technology, mm-hmm. becoming a little more expansive in our thinking. So give me some final thoughts on this topic. I think you summed up a lot of the points really well. I would say that over the next few years, it's going to be an interesting few years for the industry. I mean, it's already becoming very commoditized, and I think we're going to see margins shrink even further. The good news is that there's all sorts of technology out there that can help brokers reduce their costs per load and just drive efficiencies in their organization. In order to compete, brokers are going to need to leverage technology in any way that they can. Yep, exactly. So, Nick, before you go, tell us what's going on over at Kinetic and tell you, first off, who do you guys serve and uh, 
How do we get a hold of you? And uh, tell us what's new over there. Yeah, so like I mentioned, we work with freight tech companies and we help them on things like sales and marketing and customer success in order to help them get their products into the world more quickly and with better adoption. And in terms of what's new, we just put out a webinar recently about market volatility in the truckload market. So if you didn't, if you didn't see that, check it out on our YouTube channel. We should have another webinar coming out in the next month or so. If you send me a link to it, I'll put it in the show notes. Yeah, you bet. It was, it was great. I think anyone interested in that subject and who isn't <laughs> would really enjoy it. But yeah, other than that, check out our next webinar that'll be coming out in the next few weeks here. And feel free to reach out to me at nick at poweredbykinetic.com or check me out on LinkedIn. Sounds good. And I'll put a, a link to our buddy Ryan Schreiber also in that, just so uh, if you want to reach out to Nick's buddy Ryan, uh, he, they can connect with him too. Yep. He is one of the co-founders of Kinetic. He's also the director of engagement at Carry Direct. I know he's doing a great podcast with you inside the Founders Studio. Right. So oh my God. He's, he's check out. I will put a link to that. I have really, really enjoyed listening to those podcasts and he, he does a, he does a fantastic job. He's also got great guests on there. And uh, now that we're kind of in the middle of March madness, he was talking to Matt Fogrich the other day. And I love that podcast. Matt Fogrich played basketball at university of Michigan, which is my, my team. So I'm embarrassed. I've only listened to two of them. I keep trying, but trying to find an hour in my house, with my two yeah, kids, yeah. <laughs> stuff, but I the two that I've listened to have been great. Kevin Nolan knocked it out of the park. Ryan, like Ryan's doing a great job with these. Yeah, I love those. Well, Nick, thank you so much. I really appreciate you taking the time to talk about this topic. No, thanks again, Joe. I appreciate you having me on. Anytime is great. Excellent, excellent. And thank all of you for listening to my podcast. Your support's very much appreciated. Until next time, onward and upward. You've been listening to the Logistics of Logistics podcast, where we engage in conversations with experts in the logistics field. If you're an expert and would like to be featured on the Logistics of Logistics podcast, please email Joe Lynch at joe at the logisticsoflogistics.com. 